Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Jeep Underwood, and I'm going to try to figure out how to use this stand. So something's probably going to fall apart. All right, there we go. <clears throat> I felt like I was addressing the stand and not you. So um, it's just really good to be here. I'm really glad that you guys are here at Church in the Valley today. Um, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm in the middle. We're in the middle of a three-part series on the necessary thing. And at the heart of these talks, there's this idea, there's this truth <clears throat> that Jesus desires for for us to enter his life and his teaching and instruction in such a way that we change over time and we become like him. And so that we're able to handle life as it comes and we're able to have a life that really makes a difference. And that's really kind of at the heart of this uh, series of talks. Last week, we looked at we looked at the reality that we have to come to grips with before we can enter that life. So we looked at uh, once you come to believe that God really is in control of everything in your life and everything that affects you, and you come to believe that he really is your father and he has a deep concern for you, and your response to him is humility and a surrender to his ways, what happens is that door to that life opens just like the graphic that's on this message series, that door opens. And so we want to talk about today more is like, how do you actually go through that door to experience that life? The great thing is that, that God, there's really an invitation that, uh, that Jesus really gives us to enter that life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the invitation that Jesus really gives us. Now, Jesus, I mean, you, you look through the scriptures, you, you spend some time in the gospels, if you spend some time getting to know him, one thing that really strikes you is he was a master of life. He could handle anything. They, people would dream up ways to derail him, and they would come to him, and he would answer them, and they'd go, wow, I've never had that thought before. Wow. It was just like he was a guy that was in complete command of his life, and he knew exactly how to handle everything that came at him. In fact, one time the the Jewish the Jewish <laughs> that's a new word uh, the Jewish rulers they decided hey we're gonna we want they sent some guys over to seize him and so they said when he's done talking I want you you want you to seize him and arrest him bring him and we want to talk to him and so these guys go and Jesus gets done talking and Jesus walks off and these guys are still standing there and they go back and talk to the Jewish rulers and they said where's Jesus and they said nobody's ever talked like this guy's talked. You know, he got done talking and they forgot what they were there for because it was so amazing what Jesus had to say. That's this. That's the Jesus we're talking about. And what Jesus, he's invited each one of us to become his apprentice, to really enter into his life and really learn how to do life like he does and like he did and like he does. <clears throat> now, uh, you know, if we got a phone call, I was thinking, this, thinking about this this morning. If we got a phone call this afternoon <clears throat> and Donovan, our son, answered the phone. And the guy, and there was a phone on the guy on the other side of the line said, uh, Hey, uh, is this Donovan? He goes, Yeah. Hey, uh, this is LeBron James. Um, I'm going to be in town tomorrow. And I was just wondering, I, I heard that you really, uh, you really like me and you think I'm a good guy. And, and I'd like to see, uh, you want to play some basketball? I thought maybe I could pass on some pointers, pass on some things for you. Uh, you interested in hanging out tomorrow? And Donovan would probably tell him, Well, no, I was going to play video games with Timothy. No, he wouldn't. He'd go, man, LeBron James, oh, my gosh. You know, he probably wouldn't even sleep that night. 
He'd probably be outside taking shots all night long with a, with a floodlight on. <clears throat> that's the kind of, this, this invitation that Jesus has is way better than that one. But it's, that's the kind of thought. It's like, wow. You know, he's, he's, he really wants us to have the abundant life that he said he wanted us to. And he has this invitation. So today we're going to look at that. And when Jesus gave this invitation, he's looking around, he's looking around at the crowd and he's just perceiving that some, some people, he could just tell that they were really burdened down. They were really carrying loads. They were weary from all the work that they'd done, been doing. And he looks out there and he can't help but say this. And that's uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, when you look at the <clears throat> you look at the word weary there in the original language, it just means like a, a weariness from working hard. It's like you've been working hard, 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 and it's just this weariness that you carry. And then heavy laden, it just means it means to load up, possibly overloaded, just kind of a you're just loaded up. And you, now you're just working so hard and you're just weary from what you're dealing with. I don't know about you, but I can really relate to that picture. And I'm sure that all of us have a different mix of things that are weighing on us and we can relate to that picture. And that invitation is to us today. And then there's a promise in the invitation. The promise is. I will give you rest, and you will find rest. Those are two of the promises there. And it's interesting, those two words, they're different words. Uh, the word, the first one, when he says, I will give you rest, if you look in the original languages, it means, it means like refreshment or maybe like an intermission. You know, it's kind of like time out, take a break, refreshment. And then the other word, when it says you will find rest, it's more of a, a rest and satisfaction in the midst of everything you're working on. So one is just a refreshment. And then the other one is, as you are yoking with him and learning from him, there's a real rest and satisfaction that comes out of just in the midst of the things you're working on. That's the promise. Now, how do you get from the invitation to the promise? And that's what we're going to look at today. This is uh, what Jesus said. The way he answered that question, how do you get from one to the other is, he said, come to me. Yoke with me and learn from me. He said, come to me, learn from me, and yoke with me. And that's what we're going to, we're going to look at each of those this morning. He said, come to me. Now, uh, look, I'd like to just take a look at John 37 through 38. This is another time when Jesus is at this big feast, and it says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He, for he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Now, we're all thirsty people. We're thirsty. We need help. Psalm 107.9 says, For he satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a truth of life that we're thirsty people and that God really wants to satisfy that thirst. And Jesus is offering that refreshment to us today. <clears throat> in fact, it isn't just like a cup. A cup of refreshment, it says it's like a well, welling up within your spirit. It's something that continually is a continual source of refreshment in your life. <clears throat> now, I've had, I've had people, just talking to people over the many years, 
uh, that have told me things like, you know, Jeep, well, I'm, I'm reading the Bible, but I'm not having the experience that you're talking about. You know, it's like I, I'm not I'm not really connecting the way that you're talking about. And let's take a look at John 5, 39 through 40. Another time, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees now, the religious rulers who spend a lot of time in the Bible, a lot of time in the Scriptures. And it says, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these that testify about me, and you're unwilling to come to me that you may have life. They, uh, What they did is they, they boiled the Bible down, the Scriptures down to like a to-do list. They just tried to do the right things, and they missed... The, they missed what Jesus was talking about. They missed him and that life is really in him. And uh, that's where we're really going to find that. So he's the sole source of life and refreshment in our lives. So you have to actually pursue him through the scriptures because the scriptures really testify of him. So we want to pursue him. Now, I heard a speaker one time give a, get, tell a story, and I wanted to tell that story this morning. hope I don't butcher it. Um, but he just said, uh, he said one time, uh, he's just talking about this little league baseball game that was going on. And they're in the middle of the game, and all of a sudden this dog walks out on the field. He's just walking around, and then he's getting kind of agitated as, you know, the ball goes whizzing past him. And he's just getting kind of agitated, and it's causing kind of a problem. People are trying to get him to come to him, but he's not sure who they are. And he's just kind of, he's getting a little kind of distressed. The dog's getting kind of stressed out. And then everyone in the stand starts Yelling, come here, boy, come here. So you have like 45 people, you know, saying, come here. And the dog just doesn't know what to do, and he's freaking out. And then right then you hear, Chester, Chester, come here, boy. And the dog just perks up. He looks over, and he sees the little boy he was supposed to be with. And he just makes a beeline across all the noise. He makes a beeline over to his, to his owner. And, uh, and the little boy just says, come on, Chester, let's go. And he walks out the field. And so the dog was stressed out, but now he's totally content. He knows right where he needs to be because he's with his owner. Really, you know, our lives are like our lives are like that. There's voices coming at us all the time telling us what we ought to do, what we need to do, what we should have done. Why didn't you do it? And there's just voices. And I guess the question that I'd really like to throw out today is, what is the dominant voice in your life? What is the dominant voice in your life? When you come to Jesus, what it is, it's a decision to make him the dominant voice in your life. And, and how do you do that? How do you, how do you hear Jesus above the hubbub of everything you're facing? And, and I, would, uh, I would suggest that you have to find a quiet place. And you have to spend some time alone with him. Because once you get a quiet place and you get some time alone with him, you're kind of outside of all the voices and the you're outside of all the things that are weighing on you, and you're able to really listen to him and really, uh, with clarity, see where you're at and what needs to change. It's just it's, it's a crucial part of coming to Jesus is to get time alone with him, mentally alone with him. So you, uh, the next thing, so he said, come to me. And then he said, yoke with me. Um, you know, yoke is something we don't think about a whole lot much anymore, but yoke just, a, you know, a frame that, connects two animals as they pull a load. That's what a yoke is. And so what, what Jesus was saying is, hey, let's pull this load together. And I don't know about you, but if you've got God pulling next to you, I think you can handle a few things. We could probably throw some stuff on that sled because God's the one pulling. That, that's why he says, my burden is easy 
and my, I'm sorry, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It isn't because the burden is small. It's because he's pulling. And that's why, and that's why it's easy and light. Um, it's, uh, so with the question, but as you look at that, it just, it, it's, uh, it's interesting to note that what Jesus doesn't say is, I will take your yoke upon me. He says, you take my yoke upon you. So what he's saying is, let's go do this together, but he, he, there's some things, there's things that Jesus is trying to accomplish. And he really wants us to join in and work on accomplishing those things with him. <clears throat> and I, I just, real quick, I just want to touch on this. But there was a time when uh, Jesus just started his ministry. Uh, he, he's talking, he goes into a synagogue, and they're all wondering what he's going to say. And he gets up and he reads, he, he selects the scroll of Isaiah 61, and he starts reading the first few verses of Isaiah 61, and he says this. It, and this is recorded in Luke 4. 1829, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. <clears throat> now, if you, if you go to the book of Isaiah, you'll see that there's a few more things that are listed there that the Messiah is going to accomplish. And... Uh, let's go ahead and go to the next verse. In Isaiah 61, 3b, this is at the very end of that, he comes to the so that. So he's going to seek out the oppressed and save the, the captives and all those things he's going to do. And it says, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Oaks of righteousness. I mean, these are people that are firmly foundationally planted that people can rely on, people can run to them for advice. These are the kind of people that obviously our society needs. And Jesus says those oppressed people and those poor people and those people that don't know what's going on, those are the people that I want to change their lives. And I want them to be to really be the kind of people that are like me, that can really handle life and really be a master of their life. Uh, with me so that they can really make a difference in the world. So, and Jesus, when he, after he read that, those few verses, he sat down and people were looking at him and he goes, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. He basically said, he said, that's me. This is, this is, this is uh, the heart of what Jesus' mission is, is to change lives. And that's what he wants us to join him in. He wants us to join him. So he's saying, come with me and let's go make a difference together. And boy, is it a big job. But you know what? We're both going to pull on this thing. And that's what, and that's what he was saying. So to yoke with him. Now, the next thing is, it's interesting because he couples it. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. They're tied together. <clears throat> you know, I don't know about, you know, I've actually never been in a yoke with someone else, but I imagine you kind of have some agreement on some things. I mean, if someone is, you, you actually would learn, if you had an experienced person on one side and an inexperienced on the other side, there'd be a lot of learning going on for the inexperienced person. They'd really be learning some things. Now, I, tell, I tend to tell a lot of stories about my dad and growing up in construction with him. I started working with my dad's construction company when I was about eight years old. It was a family company, and I'm pretty sure that was illegal. But... Uh, but I was working 40-hour weeks when I was eight years old every summer, and I worked there uh, off and on uh, full-time sometimes uh, for a year uh, until I was about 25 years old. And 
you know, I learned, you know, we didn't have a lot of classes on, well, how do you frame a wall? There was no seminars on how do you build stairs. There was no seminars on how do you replumb a house. We just did it. And my dad knew how to do it. And I worked along with him. And I began to learn learn how to build houses. I began to learn how to work on commercial buildings. I began to learn how to do earth movement projects. And actually that fed well into my career choice, which is civil engineering. But it became part of who I am. It's, and so if someone says, hey, can you help me, come help me build my house? I could just grab a hammer, go over there and go to work because it's just part of who I am uh, because of who I spent time with. Now, about 10 years ago, just before my dad retired, <clears throat> we were up there visiting and he had to go do some repair on some, uh, do some repair on some uh, uh, plumbing, a plumbing issues having this one bathroom. So we're in there and we pulled out the old plumbing box. I recognized it. I hadn't seen it in about 15 years at that point. But we pull out the old plumbing box, and he he's going along. He's working. He's cutting. He's, he's telling me how long to cut these things. I'm cutting them. I'm preparing them. I'm uh, scarifying each of the ends with sandpaper, and then I'm getting the getting the the fittings ready, getting the flux in them. I'm doing all this stuff, and I realized as we're working that we weren't talking about what we were doing at all. We were just talking about all kinds of stuff. But my dad, when he measured it, he'd say a number. And I'd cut it, and I'd prepare it, and I'd hand it to him. And then he would he would just, like, reach his hand over, and I'd drop an elbow in that had been prepared and had flux in it, and he'd just put it together. I mean, my dad, I can't imagine what his experience was like. He was just doing this, and I was, and he was just building this thing that we had to solder. And we were working seamlessly together. And, we were, uh, and you know what? <clears throat> it's because we had been doing that for years, working together. And... um you know, we really, we had the same goals. We had the same values in the moment, in the situation we were in. We had the same approach. We had the same understanding of how things got done. And we were able to work seamlessly together and make something happen pretty quick. And, you know, that's a, as I was thinking about it, that's, an, that's, a, that's a great picture of what Jesus really wants with us. He really wants the kind of connectedness with us with him as we handle our lives where where when we go we handle a situation he thinks about he's like well this is what I would do and we've already started doing it because that's actually become who we are because we now think like him and so the goal of this instruction and this training with him is that over time we'd be like him where we'd begin to think like him and we begin to actually live our life the way he would if he were us and that's really where he's going with that. And that's, that's, what, that's the kind of connectedness that he, would like, that he really wants to see. Now, how do you get there? <clears throat> because he's not, uh, he's not physically here now. So he isn't like, oh, he's over at my house. You guys want to hang out with him? It's like, hey, how do you connect with Jesus now like that? And it starts with the coming to Jesus. We talked about getting quiet time alone with him. And it takes a daily exposure to his word as a habit of life. It takes a daily exposure to his word as a habit of life. You're taking it in. You're listening. You're evaluating your life in light of it. And you're thinking through, well, what do I need to change to be in line with this? Because this is how life really works. And you're consistently doing that. That's how that's how that occurs. Now, as we get as I get close, as we get close to the end of this talk, I want to just tell a story. Because if you don't know me very well, you, and you'll find out real soon, is I, I like to tell stories. I'm a storyteller. And uh, last week I told the story of our house three years ago, 
and how we and how God really he really came through for us and helped us. About 10 or 11 years before that, I, I was facing a real crisis, uh, just a personal crisis for me. Um, it was really a time it was just hard and confusing. And I just wasn't sure how I was going to really measure up. I really felt like I was out of capacity to really handle what was coming at me. And I, I just felt like I couldn't make it, ha- it all happen. Like, you know, it's like I can handle this much, but there's like this much to do. I just I was really struggling. <clears throat> and I, just to kind of paint a little bit of a picture as to what was going on. Um, I'm a, I was a civil engineer at the time, still am, but I was a civil engineer and I was a project engineer. I was leading a couple of multi-million dollar projects we're trying to get out the door. A lot of details, just a lot of things you have to get done and teams to lead. And then I was also a part-time staff member at USC Christian Challenge, which is just one of the highlights of my life, being a part of that ministry. Loved being a part of that. But, you know, it was just, it was, a, it was time, it was things I had to take care of. So, I, you know, connecting with people and trying to mentor people and then also just helping the whole ministry go. And all this is just stuff that I'd been doing, the stuff I really wanted. And then we decided we'd have a third kid. It was great. I loved having three kids. I'm really very, very glad that Donovan is with us today. Um, I, honestly, I am so grateful for all three of my kids. I can't even express it. But, you know, there's, you know it's like uh, when you have that third kid, we just had Donovan like two or three months earlier. And... It's kind of like when you juggle with one ball, it's pretty easy. You know, you can handle that. Then you juggle two balls, and it's like, well, I, I, I'm, I'm hit or miss. Then you throw that third ball in there, and I'm, oh, okay, never mind. I, I can't juggle. So, so anyway, so we're just, we're just trying to figure out. We're just trying to figure out, like, you know, how does a family of four become a family of five, and what does that mean? And, and, and all this is good stuff. There's nothing wrong with anything I'm talking about. It's good stuff. Then... My boss at work steps into my cubicle one day and he said, all right, Underwood. And he talked like, I'm not, I'm making, I'm not making this up. He goes, Underwood, you're the next fish in the barrel. And I wasn't sure what that meant, but it didn't sound pleasant. <laughs> and, and, I, and I asked him, well, what, what do you mean? And he goes, well, as you know, uh, the section chief has been out of the, hasn't been in place for a long time. We've been asking people to do it. You're the next acting section chief of design section A. Okay. And as he walked off, I just thought, you know, what that meant was I was now responsible. I would be responsible for the efforts of 14 people, plus all the jobs and stuff that I was doing before. And it was uh, honestly, it was it was like that. It was just like a, a blow that I just couldn't see how in the world I was going to I was going to make. I started talking to, as I was talking to people. Everyone who talked to me would hear something like this. I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. I am. I'm really, uh, guys. I need. Uh, I just don't know if I can do this. And there's just too much going on. And, and so, just you know, my friends, I'm talking to. I'm just. These, I'm sharing with them, like my real fears that I'm going to not measure up. And all this stuff really matters. So then, um, every year, roughly, my company sends us off on a. We send on a training trip, and this year they sent me to Omaha, Nebraska, that. Uh, that beautiful, beautiful state. So, uh, so, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> if you want to get a loan, go to Nebraska. So, uh, so they sent me to Nebraska for this class. And, and as I was getting ready for the class, I, I just, I realized, you know what I need to do? What I need to do is that when every night when I get out of this class at five o'clock, when I go back to the hotel room, it's like five nights in a hotel room, 
I'm not going to turn on the TV. And I'm not going to turn on the radio. I'm not going to turn on anything. As I'm just going to spend time alone with God and just listen to him and just ask him to help me figure out how I'm going to approach all this. And uh, so that's what I did. I took a couple of books I wanted to read through, and I took the, the Bible with me. And so then I, you know, the, I just started doing that each night. And a couple of nights in, actually, was I, was, I was trying to decide, like, where I should read. And I thought, well, I don't really, I don't want to just start where I was leaving off with my quiet time. Uh, I just, I really want to just kind of find out from God if there's someplace he wants me to read. So I, I was going, I was praying, I was pulling, looking at the index of the Bible, just going, so I just look at the Bible, books of the Bible, and I came, I thought of Numbers, and I thought, man, you know, Numbers, I haven't, I haven't read that more than one or two times all the way through, and I, I just felt like, you know, I, I, I'm going to read Numbers, I'm going to start there. And so, probably the next night or so, I get to the middle of Numbers, and it gets to the story of the, of the ten spies, other, I'm sorry, the twelve spies, that, go out and spy the land when, when Moses and the children of Israel come up to take the, the promised land. God said, go take it. It's yours. I've given it to you. And they send 10, uh, 12 spies to kind of see how things are, where they need to approach it. And then the 10 spies, they come back, and there's 10 spies. They come back, and they go, it's everything God said it was. Hmm? It's awesome. Problem. Fill the giants. Hmm? Giants everywhere you look. And another problem is, these cities, they're fortified like nothing you've ever seen before. And then they said things like, they said essentially, they boiled it down, they said, we're not able to do this because they're too strong. And then they said, you know, we look like grasshoppers in their sight. I'm like, did they ask them? I don't know. It's just like, it's just the way they felt. Like they were completely overwhelmed with it. And they started, uh, they started giving that report. Right then, Joshua and Caleb stand up and they say things like, the Lord is with us. Let's go take the land. And then uh, Caleb says, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. We shall surely overcome it. And what happened next is the voices of the ten out begin to outweigh the voice of the two. And it turned the people's hearts away and they gave in to fear and they rebelled against God. And actually there's some major consequences that happened for them because of that. <clears throat> and as I'm reading this, it's a story I'd known since I was a kid, but as I'm reading about it, what they were up against, I really felt like God was asking me, Jeep, are you part of the ten? Are you part of the two? And when, I, when, when that thought hit me, I realized that everything the ten spies were saying was almost exactly the words that I was using when I was talking about what I was facing. And there was a resolve that came in me, and, uh, and, I t- and I told God, I will not be counted with the ten. I will be counted with the two. And there was a clarity. There was a clarity that came to my mind that I didn't have before, and my perspective completely changed. And, and, I, real- and I just realized that there was absolutely nothing in the way of God bringing in success and all the things that concerned me. There was absolutely nothing in his way to do that. And so when I got up, when I came home, I can't, a different man came home than the man who left. I came home and nothing changed. My circumstances were just exactly they were when I left. But what had changed was my perspective and the clarity with which I was handling it. And I, I led our ministry team 
at USC. And I told them this story, and I said, you know, guys, there's absolutely nothing in the way of God doing something this semester. There's nothing in the way. I said, I'm overloaded. I've got a bunch of things I'm trying to take care of, but nothing's in the way. And it turns out that was the most um, fruitful semester in the freshman ministry that I was working in then that I'd ever been a part of. There were four guys that came in, and God really gave me the opportunity to uh, to participate with him in really helping those guys. And we just had the best freshman Bible study that I've ever been a part of, best Bible study I've ever been a part of. And each of those guys really made strides, and they grew that year. And it was very, very encouraging. And then at work, you know, I come into work. Uh, I didn't tell them that story because they uh, they wouldn't get it. But uh, But I did go in there with that perspective. And I went in there, and I just led, and I just trusted God. And, and we pulled together. God and I pulled together through there. And a year later, the man who gave me the temporary promotion gave me the job permanently. He decided to give it to me. And so what looked like this impossible thing that I was going to face turned out to be a season of success in my life. That wasn't because of me. That was because God was pulling right beside me. And I was actually just participating in what he was doing, and it made all the difference. So this morning, excuse me, this morning, I just wanted to just kind of boil this down to, you know, what Jesus, the invitation that Jesus has for us today, for all of us, is come to me, yoke with me, learn from me, And you will find rest for your souls and you'll make a difference with your life. So this that's the invitation that we're looking at today. Next week, next week, we're going to look at how do you respond to that invitation? You know, uh, more in depth as you're as you're connecting with him, as you're walking with him, as you're dealing with specific things that you're trying to deal with. How do you respond to him uh, as you live your life? So we're going to look at that next week. So I'm going to ask the band. I'd like to ask the band to come back up. And as they're coming, I just want to go through a couple of next steps that you could take. And then, excuse me, first thing is I would suggest that, you know, take a look at the question of who or what is the dominant voice in my life. Think through think through that. What is what is the voice that when it calls, I come running? And if you evaluate that and get a handle on that, it'll give you a place to go next. So really think through, like, what is it that you really run to? And then the, another thing you could do is just simply respond to the invitation by coming to Jesus and taking on his yoke, like we've been talking about. Is just decide to pursue him, find a quiet place, get into his word, and just begin to pursue him personally. And then the, another thing you could really do to be really helpful is, is memorize the invitation. Memorize, uh, memorize Matthew eleven twenty eight. So with that, I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll get back to uh, singing. Dear God, <clears throat> Father, I uh, I pray that you would show every one of us how real you are, and that you really care, and the the invitation that you have is real as well. And I pray that each one of us would respond to you, and that you would make that difference in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.